we've started the teachings on this website uh, with Glory Through Time, in which I've tried to show a, a version of history that has God in the center of it. History is his story. And I've tried to show how important that, how central that presence of God has been through repeated great awakenings, waves of the Holy Spirit advancing, um, moving through nations, awakening nations to the reality of Christ. And uh, that part of it, in other words, which has been left out by secular historians who don't want to see necessarily that God has been in history at all, who really believe, according to a secular worldview, that there really is no God. He, he may be up there, out there somewhere, but God is not a reality, not a power to be reckoned with, not a presence, whereas we've seen that he is. And as soon as you admit that God has been present in the nations, doing things, changing things, transforming whole cities and nations, just as George Otis is showing today in his transformation videos, as soon as you admit that, admit that God has been real and God has been powerful in our history, then it's not long before you see the other principle that I've tried to show, and that is that prayer is the hidden mainspring of history. Prayer is the secret mainspring of history. And so we've tried to show how important the prayer of saints is, the prayer of those who understand the kingdom of God, know who the king is, know why we call Jesus the Messiah, meaning the coming king, and who are uh, close to him and advancing his purposes on the earth. And those people have been very important, primarily by prayers that have birthed things throughout history. For example, let me read to you this quote from Martin Luther, his exposition on John 14, 12, greater things then these will you do because I go to the Father. And this is what he says about that. In both the spiritual and the temporal realms, the very greatest works in the world, even though they are not recognized and acknowledged as such, are continuously performed by Christians. Among these works are the destruction of the devil's realm, the deliverance of souls, the conversion of hearts, victory, the preservation of peace in the land and nation, help, protection, salvation in all sorts of distress and emergencies. All this, Christ says, is to come to pass through the Christians because they believe in him and derive everything from him as their head. Therefore, it may all be called the Christians' works and wonders which they perform until the last day. And if you wonder what it is that Christians do that's so unique, he says, prayer is the almighty queen of human destiny. It was through Martin Luther's prayers that Germany was transformed during his time in the 16th century. All right, so as we take this principle 
that the prayers of Christians who understand the kingdom of God and are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and are influencing the course of history through prayer, and then through the things that prayer births, you take that principle and you simply extend it beyond where we left off when we did our last teaching in Glory Through Time and we discovered that God has spoken to the leaders of the house church movement, that he was putting on their shoulders the completion of the Great Commission through the into the 1040 window, uh, which missionaries have been praying for, and that God is raising up Chinese and Asians to be a mighty army to bring the gospel into those regions from the east into the west, which for us is the, the Near East, the Middle East. But it's going to come at them from a different direction than what they're anticipating. And so... Uh, we Westerners are called to pray for this, but then as we extend this out, um, what we have is simply the same principle moving into the end times, the end of the age. The, the, the word has a lot to say about what we do as we approach the end of the age. There are parables and teachings specifically aimed for that period and for that generation. And one of the main things that Jesus has on his mind is that we would be uh, extremely and more than ever prayerful and full of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and prayer. And so, for example, the parable in Matthew 25 where he's, he compares the foolish virgins with the wise virgins, and the, the wise virgins are those who went out and bought oil. What is oil? Well, it's the life of prayer and the Holy Spirit. It's that interior life where we are learning how to, to connect with God in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, thinking God's thoughts, connecting up with His Word. It's, the, it's that whole inner life. And what he's saying is that uh, the church, as it moves into the end time, needs to take this especially seriously. We need to buy oil. We need to prepare for this end time because it's going to be more important than ever. And if we don't prepare, we will be caught off guard and uh, we will lack the things that we need to move us through that period of time. In Luke 18, he says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Well, Luke 18.8 is the end of Luke 18.1-7, which is all about prayer. In other words, faith translates into prayer. A person of faith is a person who prays. Will the Son of Man, when he comes back, find that praying faith on earth. That's what he's looking for. He's saying he's, he's going to be looking for this above all things, faithfulness in prayer. If we go back to the Old Testament, we find Zechariah 
which specifically prophesies that at the end of the age, God is going to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication. If you want to know what that looks like, go back and read the confession of, uh, of St. Patrick. In other words, the story of his life tells his experience, and it gives very vivid uh, descriptions of what happened when he received the spirit of grace and supplication, the spirit of supplication and grace, which is a spirit of prayer. Martin Luther also, uh, this was the verse that he quoted more than any other verse on prayer, uh, where God says he's going to pour out that spirit of grace and supplication, but he's really referring to the end of the age, that as a result of that, um, the, the Jews will return to their Messiah, Jesus. They will be able to say, as Jesus is coming back, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They will receive him with gratitude because prior to that time, God will pour out a spirit of grace and supplication on the church. If we look at Revelation 1.6, the church is described as a nation of priests, uh, which brings back the whole calling, the original calling of uh, Israel itself. He said, I will, I, I'm looking for a kingdom and priests. And uh, so this, this reminds us that the church is grafted into the calling of God on Israel. And we are, be, we are simply receiving the anointings and the covenants of promise that go clear back to Israel's beginnings. And so a kingdom of priests implies a great deal of prayer. He's defining the church in this way as he's describing the end times. And then as we look at Revelation 5, 8 and compare that with Revelation 8, 5, we see that the prayers of the saints are going into heaven and influencing things and come back on earth and are actually creating the, the things that happen in the end times. They are creating the birth pangs is really what John is describing there. Uh, in other words, it's the prayers of the saints that are needed to bring about the birthing of the worldwide kingdom of God the geopolitical kingdom of God on earth. And so uh, all the things that lead up are birthed by prayer. And so the, the principle that we've seen uh, all throughout history, that prayer is the hidden mainspring, well, we're just going to trace that right on out now as we move towards a study of the end times. We, we move into our eschatology teaching and I want to make sure that you all understand we're not going to be teaching doom and gloom here. We may be teaching birth pangs, but birth pangs have a purpose and a reason, and that is to birth something. We're, we're talking not about the end of the world. We're talking about the beginning of a, 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 a kingdom, really, a kingdom on earth. We're, we're advancing, we're moving through a season of pregnancy into birth, and, and there's going to be uh, travail, but we should not fear the travail. We, we must trust that God is going to 
uh, care for us. The purpose of it is, though, to move into something better. And that's the main thing that we're going to be looking at. What is this better thing? What is the vision that God has given his people for the future? And it is a fantastic vision. I has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for us. It's, it's an amazing, wonderful thing. So we should not look at the, the doom and gloom or even talk about the end of the world because it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of the next period which is better than this one. So let's make sure we keep our focus positive. It's promises. Uh, it's, pro it's the promises of God that are all fulfilled in Jesus. Yea and amen in Jesus, who is the King. Unfortunately, our church has been deeply influenced by this secularism. And we have unfortunately adapted and imbibed an awful lot of unbelief and negativity. And so um, we need George Otis's videos to show us that God is doing more than we could have ever imagined. He's doing it now. In other words, we need an encouragement in our faith. And George's transformation videos are the best that's come down the pike in a long time. And what God is showing us there is that he is able to renew the earth. This is not just revival in churches. You know, my church has revival this week. This is God coming back and restoring the earth. And that is what we're, we're seeing in scriptural promise. His kingdom is covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. His glory is covering the earth. We're talking about something that's big, not small. It's not just my congregation, your congregation. It's a massive thing that God wants to bring. So we're supposed to, to pray big prayers, big prayers. The important thing to lay hold of here is the concept that if Jesus is the great physician, and he has healing for the whole earth and all the things that have gone wrong in history. We are the midwife. The church is the midwife. We are the ones that know we have the teaching of the kingdom of God. We have the gospel of the kingdom of God. We should be able to discern <clears throat> what God wants to do because we are close to him. We are listening. <clears throat> we are walking with him every day. And so we have sort of a, a ringside seat to what's coming. And that's what we want to try to recapture out of this secular age that we're in. When God uh, brought uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Joshua and all of those uh, prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, who were uh, in charge of, of renewing Israel's vision during the post-exilic years, they, they, they actually prophesied that this second temple would be the, the location of the coming of the son of David, the Messiah, the, the king of kings. They called him the branch. They called him the desire of nations. And, and so they, 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 the prophets of that time began to prepare the people to be the house of prayer, that would actually receive this king. 
And, but as you trace that through into Jesus's day, you discover that the, the very people who were supposed to be leading this great prayer effort that would birth uh, things during the first coming of Jesus, those very people became secular, unbelieving. Uh, they totally lost the vision of prayer, except in the most uh, cold, uh, religious kind of way, just doing the, the, going through the motions, and then turning their hearts to the accumulation of material things. And we look at the American church today, and we wonder, aren't we becoming like this? As we move toward the second coming of Christ, and, and Jesus is specifically telling us he needs a house of prayer. He needs a house of prayer. And yet, are we paying attention? Do we understand what's about to happen? And so we need some teaching on the subject. What are our prayers going to birth? Why is it so important that we pray at this particular time at the end of the age? as we move towards uh, the royal priesthood that John describes in the book of Revelation, and we become that royal priesthood. We become the end-time priesthood that God is really looking for. This is the time, more than any other time, when we, we dare not lose the vision of the kingdom of God. This is the time that we dare not lose the vision of praying the kingdom of God, praying for the advance of the kingdom. And so that's what this teaching is for, that we would um, move into. What we will discover is a doctrine called historic premillennialism, and that's what we'll look at in our next teaching.